Hi everyone, welcome to the 18th episode of the Slow Spin Society podcast. As always, I'm Fabian and here today with Paul. And today we'll be talking about how to keep the fixed gear culture alive. But before that, if you want to hear more about Paul's hour record attempt, My Century Ride, the Godzilla franchise, or even Electronic Breaks, then you should listen to the pre-show. You can access the extended conversation at patreon.com slash slowspinsocietypodcast, but more on that later. So, for today's topic, this episode's topic, what is the fixture culture and how do you keep it alive? How do you spread it? How did it start? We'll try to discuss all of these things during this episode. Absolutely. Describing the fixed year culture is kind of like a hard task, you know? But, Definitely. I mean, we're going to try our best. <laughs> As always, trying our best only. <laughs> <laughs> Not going to do 100%, but yeah, we're going to try. Just the minimum, just to get by. But <laughs> what is the face care culture? So, I mean, like, there, there, there's so many different, like, subcultures in society. Like, the people that like certain certain tv shows or like a certain instrument whatever and then there's a fixed gear subculture right um yeah i think the, the most basic way to describe it is just a bunch of people girls guys whatever who enjoy riding this this very specific very specific type of bike and yeah that's really all there is to it more or less like as long as you as you ride this bike or maybe not even ride it as long as you're interested in, in this type of bike you you could you could see as you could you could be part of the culture right yeah i think like the face gear culture is also one of those culture where people get really really deep into and people actually make a lot of things happening for the culture and create events create uh, items create Things that will bring even more people into it and like broad the interest. Yeah. And I think from like an outside perspective for people who are not into fixed gear bikes or cycling or yeah, or cycling, it seems like a really weird thing to be into. Like this yeah, really specific maybe. bike. Type of, <laughs> and I mean, that's fair as well. Like there, I remember I watched this old YouTube video. I think it was like a news report or something of like a washing machine fan club, like these these six, seven guys who were really into washing machines. And then they, they would have like, they were all going to this one person's, one mem- one uh, yeah, one person's basement where the guy had like seven or eight different washing machines, like retro ones, uh, French classic ones, like all these different washing machines. And then they were going crazy about it. Oh, look at it spin. Oh, wow, it's shaking really nice. <laughs> I think I've seen that video too. Yeah, it's like, it's like really, it's kind of like surreal, like... I'm not sure if it's a joke or not, but at the same time, you have people in the fixer community who are like, oh, look at this chain ring. Oh, the tooth profile is so, so nice. Oh, <laughs> look at the anodization. You know, like all these different, look at the wells. And people outside of the culture would not really understand what's the, what, how can they be so fascinated about, it's just a bike, bro. I could buy a car for the price of that bike. Like, yeah. Shit like that. But, yeah, it's kind of like those super niche where yeah yeah definitely you can be like extremely proud of your bike and put a lot of money or a lot of effort into it and then people will pass by because they have absolutely no idea where it is without even looking at it like oh yeah whatever (laughs) uh yeah that i think that can be said for like i mean most of the time or at least yeah most of the time i would say it's 
not like a like a like a bad thing that they they don't they don't talk shit or anything. They just don't don't know any better, right? They don't know why something of this bike is special or whatever, yeah. or why we. But that's fine as well. Um, but yeah, so that that I would say is to fix your culture, being having an interest in the bikes and in bike parts and cycling and events and and everything around it. Um, how do you reckon yeah. your? How do you know that? At some point, when you say something, you're like, "Oh yeah, I'm I'm definitely in it." Like no, I there's no way out anymore. Like of <laughs> course, there's the classic like, "Oh yeah, I'm one was the bike, bro." But what else do you say when you're like so deep in it that there's no way out anymore? I think when like. I think you can really see how deep you are into it when someone who's not in the in the in the hobby like asks you asks you a question that makes you like step back for a second like like a question for example why 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 do you need four bikes like, <laughs> that that's when you that's kind of when you like understand oh shit you're right I've got four I've got four bikes <laughs> that means oh, I'm yeah. already deep in it <laughs> but yeah I think it's like either that or if you can't stop talking about it or just thinking it but. You know the meme format with like this guy in the party and he's in the corner. Oh yeah, they yeah, don't know I like, ride a fixed gear or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh man, how how do I? Go? They don't know I don't ride with brakes, man. They don't know I have four bikes. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone else is just minding their own business. <laughs> But yeah, like you said, there's some people who are really into it, and they yeah, and then they're the ones that produce content and. Uh, pro, uh, content for and about the fixer culture for the rest of us, right? And I guess in this case that would be us too. But then in other cases, it's other other names that we can go into later. But that is def that's not like a requirement to be part of the scene. You can you can even just like ride a bike and you part of the scene. Like I'm, I'm doing like quotation marks with my fingers right now. Like part of the scene. <laughs> But the scene. I, I would, yeah, like. I don't think there's really any requirement besides having interest in the bike or riding a bike. Yeah. Like it's it's really open. It's an open open culture community type thing. On the other side, do you think there's people that ride fixed gear that are absolutely not in the scene? You know, like Hunt. for example, you have like couriers that have like that whole messenger lifestyle and which I found really cool and interesting. And the on the other side, you have like some couriers that They here for the job, and when the day is over, they just go back home, throw their bike on the side, and it's over. You know, like they're not well, looking yeah. twice at it. A hundred percent. Like even so, like fixed gear culture is really like a niche culture, right? Like a niche scene part of cycling. So cycling is massive. That fixed gear is like tiny, tiny part, and then even tinier is like fixed gear freestyle, track packing, hour record, people in the velodrome, and then there's also people who just use it for commuting. Yeah, and I think in that case, like fixed gear bikes, they they care they they take care of themselves. They're they're relatively cheap, like like whatever models, whatever. And then people just use them for that, and yeah. that's it for them. Like, oh yeah, I have a bike, I ride a bike, and they're like all these YouTube videos. I mean, not all these. I'm saying there's like a, not there's that many, but there's a distinction between like someone who uses a bike, like, and yet someone who uses a bike for going to work or or for working or whatever and someone who considers themselves a cyclist yeah and yeah i'm sure even with fixed gear bikes there are people who are just like yeah my, i ride a bike it is fixed but that's it and then there are people yeah i'm a cyclist i'm a fixed gear rider interesting 
I think, I think even with people who are fixed gear who like fixed gear, like, are more interested in fixed gear bikes and like parts and stuff. They're not. They don't make. They're not really into like the whole online. You know, like I'm following these guys on Instagram. I'm I'm up to date with the new mash drops and stuff like that. They're just. They have a bike. If they, they find it's cool, they maybe they have another two or three friends, and that's about it. Yeah, it's something that is really, really strange for me that people that sometimes ride fixed gear because it is such a niche, you know. Yeah. People that ride fixed gear and it's just like a casual way to go from point A to point B, but they actually don't hang out with other riders or <laughs> the yeah, you know, it's just like a meaning of transportation and maybe I don't know, maybe uh they do skating uh and they just they just take the bike to go to the skate spot and they take the the skate yeah that's i mean like to give some perspective that's basically how i was when i first got my my first bike the dolan precursor that was 2016 and for the longest time i was just like i was looking for a bike on on online and i didn't even know what a fixed gear was and i bought it and i was like what the fuck i can't coast so <laughs> I, I just got got into it by accident and then i was like looking into it like oh it's pretty cool and then eventually later that year i wanted to go to tokyo for holiday with my girlfriend and i was like i was enjoying my bike and stuff and i was like looking on instagram hey look i i just, I just typed in my bike name told them precursor and i found yeah. like the hashtag and i got into it and i was like oh look they're they're like these these people have so many followers what the hell all just bikes what the hell this is crazy and yeah, and then eventually I messaged you, right? And yeah. then you, 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 I brought my bike to Tokyo and, and we met and then for the first time we cycled around. And that's kind of when I realized that there is like this whole like scene behind the bike. Because up until then, for like the first eight months, it was just for me. I would just take the bike to school. I would just go to the beach sometimes. But yeah. I didn't really know that there was like mash, macaframa, uh, art rings. I didn't know anything about that. It was just, for me, it was, just, <laughs> it was just a bike. I locked it outside. And that was it. <laughs> yeah i guess that's uh that's also like a result of just exposure via social media yeah like we're gonna talk about it later but social media definitely have like a huge impact i mean it has a huge impact on everything but in cycling it's pretty huge yeah but the next question is how can you join the scene and i'm putting quotation mark again with my hands (laughs) (laughs) uh uh it's not like tomorrow I decide to join the scene, you know, it's like, no, yeah. I think you just like naturally, organically, slowly became part of it. Yeah. You're just like, I don't know. It can be just buying your first bike and being introduced to other riders when you're at the shop or it can be anything really. Yeah. And um, like, like fix, like I said before, the fixie community is really open with like people don't don't talk shit about like, oh, your bike's a pure fix. You're not a real fixed gear guy or like whatever. It's just like, oh, you, you ride a fixed gear. Oh, it's cool. Come with us. You know, like it's open. Yeah. And so anyone could could like be part of it. But at the same time, there is no no scene. It's like, it's like, you know, the, the, I'm, I keep mentioning memes, but like, um, <laughs> like the online hacker group. Oh, we are Legion. Oh, how do I join Legion? I'm, I'm, I'm a hacker too. Like shit like that. It's just like, it's like an idea. It's not like, like a group an actual physical group yeah um, it's like like the scene i mean so yeah 
you could you could be part of it without even knowing you're part of it. If you if you ride in the city, someone else sees you, then you're or then they see oh you're you're also a fixed gear rider, and that's that's basically it. Yeah, and I really um, want to emphasize on the idea that your bike doesn't matter. Uh, you can be part of the culture, part of the scene, even if you don't ride fix and you just have like friends that do ride fix, or even if you're just interested in one or like. I keep seeing people that uh, or talking to people that told me like, yeah, I had like a conversion and no one was really hanging out with me. And now that I bought Aventon, uh, people like actually notice me and, you know, hang out with me. Fake friends. Yeah, that's like super sad, you know. <laughs> Dumb as hell. Yeah, it's a shame. Because one thing that I like about fazier culture and that really bothers me into cycling culture is the form of elitism you have in cycling uh, especially road cycling uh, like the rafa bib and jersey and the specialized s-works whatever and like if you don't have a pair of korima you can't even tell me the weather you know <laughs> yeah so, I think that's really, yeah, like if you go like road cycling, you see like the average or at least like those people, they're generally like 60 plus year old retired old white guys, right? With, with Cervelos and, and specialized whatever, Avenge. And yeah, they, they, I think for many people in anywhere in life, they just want to find a reason to be better than someone else. Yeah. And unless you have like the top end 10,000, 15,000 euro bike, you're not part of the group or something, but. And fixed gear is not really like that. Like most of the time, at least, like you said. Yeah. And I think it's important to keep something that is really open. And the fact that the entry cost of riding fixed gear it can be extremely low. It's cool that anybody can get into it. Definitely. Um, one thing that is an absolute requirement if you want to get into the culture. You can't get into the culture if you haven't done this, you need to see the premium rush movie. <laughs> <laughs> I never finished that movie. <laughs> oh man. Uh, so oh. for those who doesn't know premium rush is a, it's a movie from like what? 2009 Nine or, or something. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, uh, messengers in New York writing quotes, fixies uh and uh riding through traffic and it's a it's a bad movie 2012 yeah and it's with the main actor is jordan jordan gordon lewitt yep and oh levitt sorry sorry uh yeah in the movie he plays like the, the messenger like you said and he has like oh the, the, this guy one one bike one gear no brakes and goes through what, the what's the catchphrase again it's like can't stop won't stop, don't want to, don't want to either. <laughs> <laughs> and, and yeah, it's a ridiculous movie, but it's it's you should watch it. It's funny. Yeah. It's like it's like taking the chad size of fixed gear to the absolute limit. Like I think at some point he has like a girlfriend or ex-girlfriend, I don't know, and she has like a front brake. And he's like, no, that that front brake is gonna kill you one day. And at some point she 
she'd do like an emergency brake and she goes over her bike. Mm. And then in the next second, you can see like, you can see her like ripping the caliper apart from her bike. Like, oh, fuck this shit. And then going back on the road. <laughs> and I'm like, what? No, you need an Allen key to rip something like this apart. <laughs> no, man, it's, it's Chinese AliExpress carbon bike. You do it with your hands. <sighs> Maybe I need to finish that movie. It sounds funny. Wait, maybe we could do like um, a screening like session with, uh, with yeah. the Discord. It would be fun. Yeah, that would be funny. That's true. Uh. Okay. Oh, he has bullhorns in the movie. Yeah, he does. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I think he's rating like a KHS Flight 100 or something like that. But it has so many stickers on it that I don't remember. Mm. But yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, like this movie would be like. I mean, it's not by like a fixed gear writer or anything or director. I don't know. Maybe it is, but part of the culture is also content, right? Yeah, it is. So, but yeah. Anyway, um, when and where did fixed gear culture start? And um, I have some pretty good uh, anecdotes on that. But so you know that um, mail couriers uh, since like the 1800s like for every sensitive deliveries for like uh documents for businesses banks etc yeah. it was done uh on bikes and it was done on fixed gear bikes uh and so people some people will tell you like yeah it was because like they don't want to take too much time so he's always spelling and he can never really stop you know yeah. The real reason is like the derailer was not invented yet. That's, that's like the, the only reason. It's like there's no derailer yet. Bro, why wasn't he using DI2, man? It's so much faster. <laughs> but for example, the, the, the first Tour de France and I think the one after that, uh, derailer was, was not out there and it was on a fixed gear. So, and like the first Tour de France, it was not roads, right? It was like gravel. And you can, hmm. like, if you look at the old videos of the Tour de France, you can see those riders, like, on gravel roads with whatever ratio, and they're just hustling their way up the, the fucking mountain, right? And it looks so hard. It was, like, an inhuman kind of effort they did. Um, and also, there was no, like, support car, support team, anything... So you can just see them like throwing the bike on the floor, run to a random restaurant, ask for a glass of water to and refill their bottle, and then going back. <laughs> so yeah. Yeah, that's a different, different, different breed back then. <laughs> yeah. Like, <laughs> like yeah, fuck it. I've got a fixed bike, one gear, whatever. I'll do it. And nowadays, oh, it's not, it's not the best carbon. I cannot do. It. I cannot ride this bike. <laughs> Big, but yeah, um, but yeah, I can see you have some quotes from, from um, figures in the fixed gear. Uh, well, like track cycling scene that we mentioned during the, our record. Yeah. Um, uh, so Chris Broadman, so actual actual uh, record holder, non-official record holder. It was like what best human effort? Yeah, best human effort. Yeah. And he said like. It has always appealed to me with its simplicity and purity, 
the bike is a third lighter and you don't have to think about it much. It all comes down to psychology. You just have to focus on your effort. You don't have to make any other decisions. And that's true. And that's the beauty of it. When you ride fixed gear and you have like a heel in front of you, you just do it. There's no other no choice, way around. Right? At, on on like the other side, you could also argue that like with road bikes, there is more like how you say strategy involved with like the shifting and everything. Like, what do I shift now before the hill starts, or like you know shit like that? Yeah, and that's also then like a, another layer to the race. Yeah. But yeah, if you see those those velodrome videos of like one on one, like I don't know what what the event is called, like sprints or hundred meter sprint or two fifty meter sprint, the first lap the two cyclists they're always going super slow looking behind making sure that they're positioned perfectly and that's also kind of like that's also strategy then within uh track cycling yeah that's really cool to see but i think for something like the hour record like we talked about before it's really convenient that we talked about it like last episode because <laughs> now we <laughs> i can like mention it but uh for things like that you really have to focus only on your effort. It's it's the only thing, especially if you're on the velodrome, you just look at the, the line. Uh, you don't have to look in front of you. And yeah, it's just focusing on your effort, how you breathe, and that's it. So I think it's also the beauty of it. Simplicity, right? Of the fixed gear bike. Minimalism, bro. I only have one glass of water. Uh, um so another quote is by graham obrey he was also i think like scottish i I believe um our record holder in the past he's yeah he's the one who did like the the crazy um hand positions yep the like like the tucked in thing yeah the superman world no the superman was chris broadman when he was like completely Ah. like lay uh like front front And like yeah. Roman Obrey was, you know, like looked like an egg when he have his hands tucked under his chest. Yeah, I forgot the name for that. But uh, he says, if you decide to race on the fixed gear, you have to choose the gear that you'll become attached to. With derailers, you can always lower it. There's no sense of attachment here. And yeah, that's like you said, just you have no choice. You pick a gear before the race, before the event, before the hour record, and you... Do the best you can with it. You right? stick to it. Yeah. No choice. It's a beautiful quote. I'm gonna print that. <laughs> <laughs> print down like and put that on like a nice photo on the, on your ceiling above bed. And you'll in like comic sense. <laughs> <laughs> so that's a part of the physical culture. That was the really beginning. But of course, what most of us know and what most of us got inspired from is when cycling messengers decide to take track bikes on the streets uh in it started in the late 80s i would say and then like yeah track bikes on the street became way and way more popular uh, until today when even if you're not a messenger it is a complete subculture um, and I got an article on the New York Times from 2007, and I'm just gonna read through really fast a little, 
a little piece that I thought was hilarious. Uh, but many fixy adherents contend that their bike are the ultimate and all others are pretenders. And these fixed gear zealots are growing present on the streets of New York. Perceived by some as a nuisance or troublesome anarchist dumpster diving punks who happen to ride bikes, they are occasionally relieved, but they are also the subjects of curiosity and interest. Just as a diehard skateboarders 15 years ago stood on his cups of providing a new lifestyle, so the fixed gear bike culture could be the tip of something that nobody can actually predict, but something that is huge. And it is huge, hmm. but we are not yeah. all dumpster diving punks. Only half of us are. <laughs> <laughs> but it's crazy the the image people had of like messengers back then. And uh, I will attach in the show notes a video. Uh, it's called The Need for Speed 93-94 New York City Bike Messenger Documentaries. And sometimes they ask uh, in the street like oh what do you think of like bike messengers and a lot of people uh are like we definitely need them like they are part of society and for business purposes we need them because we need files to move fast and it was like probably at the really really beginning of email so you couldn't send anything that fast i'd say so people are like yeah we need them but at the same time we hate them because they are completely lowless and they don't respect any rules. So there is like that funky sense of contradiction that I like to. What do you think people would say now? Like if you say bike messenger, they probably think of like Uber Eats and deliver, right? Yeah, probably. If you don't deliver this, you're not a real messenger. <laughs> That's another story. That's another <laughs> kind of elitism that we're not going to talk about. Not this time. Um, so since the 80s with the bike messenger uh, surge and the importance of them and how they were considered by society, there have been lots of up and downs since in the face of your community, right? Yeah. If you just look at like Google Analytics, uh, you can see that 2010 was like the absolute peak. It was like so popular. And then from then it, it dropped. And it never got to rise again until 2020. And there's probably a reason for that. I wonder. <laughs> I wonder. Well, yeah. So if you say that 2010 is the absolute peak, is there anything that comes to mind of what happened in 2010? Like any, any big, like a movie that came out, a frame, or, or is it just like random? I would say... Like 2010, like just before 2010 was the moment that a lot of uh, bike brands were actually doing like really, really good track frames. Uh, if you think about the Bianchi Pista concept, for example, uh, all the way until I think 2009, like super, super good frame. And I mean, it got people interested into fixed gear and i think the culture back then was um different of course but it was like people were wanted to get together you know 
Yeah. And for example, I think in 2012, the Macaframa movie got out. And in 2015, the MASH movie uh, went out, the second one. And I think the first one was like uh, 2007 or something. But I think from 90s, uh, end of the 90s to 2010, there was so many people invested into it that content back then was different. There was no YouTube or anything, but people wanted to create more, you know, but yeah. I, I started things here in 2010. So I couldn't know what was there before because, uh, I was not part of it. <laughs> um, mm. but I'm pretty sure it, it, it was just like, you know, people, people wanted to, to get together around something. Yeah. And so that's the peak then. And since then, the second peak, as you say, the resurgence is 2020. Yeah. I mean, and as, as we all, sorry. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely not a peak. It's just like, it's going up again. Mm, okay. Like, a, like another, like a little, little more interest in it again. And yeah i think that makes sense because as we all know 2020 COVID, everything globally people um were got more, got more interested into cycling so i'm sure like if you look at road cycling on google analytics or commuting by bike or cheapest uh, how to get into cycling all these like search terms they will see like a big peak or a big um yeah. uptick in 2020 and that makes sense as well for fixed gear bikes and it's good because that gets more people interested in this hobby, in this particular niche. But on the other hand, the global pandemic has also caused a massive shortage in bike parts yeah. and bike frames and everything. So it's kind of like 50-50. Is it really the, an for issue like for fixed gear though? Because there is so much on the secondhand market and you yeah, can but like, pretty much find one of at any price, I would say. Like that's kind of the thing as well because... For the average person, I'm just like thinking of the average person, or like at least me when I first started, I wouldn't, I wouldn't know about changing parts. Like, and especially in the fixed community, people like they sell individual parts, cranksets, chains, uh, cogs, tie, whatever. But for the for like a new person, they wouldn't know, and they would just go with like a complete, and then they like see online sold out, complete, sold out, complete. And for us, it makes sense, right? Check eBay, check whatever, but. Yeah, even even like the used market right now for complete bikes is pretty messed up, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. There's that local. Yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna go on to a little rant here, but <laughs> there is that local seller, and I think it is a couple, and they are selling fixed gears or single speeds or I think BMX now too. But when I see online, it's all in capital with like fire emojis on both sides. It's like only for girls or only for boys, Japanese style fixed gear cruiser. <laughs> and yes, they are trying to emulate the, the style of the kind of crazy style of uh, Japanese people doing fixed gear in the early days when they were just putting like mashing parts together 
like a, a Spinergy in the back, an old zip, 26 inches in the front, and a banana mm -hmm. seat, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, but that's not it, you know? It's like they are really, really trying to pretend they know, but they don't know. And I'm not trying to be any kind of gatekeeper here or trying to provide people with my unlimited knowledge and tell everyone that I know better. But kind of just piss me off when so many people are trying to use that wave of a lot of people like Japan, a lot of people like cycling and oh, why not mix together both and like we can pretend to sell Japanese style whatever to people, you know? Marketing, right? Yeah, marketing. And it's, yeah, it's just like pissing me off. And there are also, it's, I heard there are also like taking orders. So you can order a crazy bike. And the convenience about that quotes Japanese style is you can put absolutely anything, like just took like a BMX handlebar, whatever color wheels you find, and random frame smash all that together and you have something that make no sense and no coherence it's like japanese style which is not you know it's yeah it's like just the convenience of finding parts left and right smashing them all together and reselling them for a price just, yeah just easy way to get money for them right it's like aventon they like they just chase to chase the cheap profits yeah and people will always buy it yeah, Aventon when uh, it was like so into fixed gear and yeah, they and completely then, switched to electric bike. Yeah, because now they saw the hype and like, oh, people going to work by, by bike, they all buy electric bikes, let's do it too now. Yeah, and I saw like recently a lot of people bought Aventon because they're cheap now because people are like uh, selling the last of the stocks. Yeah, but either way, like whatever bike someone buys, if they're really interested in, in it, then they will always find a way to like learn from themselves online or whatever yeah. and eventually you know upgrade or update or whatever yeah just to be clear i'm not hoping for these people to stop their business or taking lessons or anything i'm i'm just disappointed by people taking benefit of a subculture advantage of yeah people taking advantages of a subculture claiming it generalizing it and then selling it for profit you know yeah because everybody knows that it's not that aluminium acid green deep wheel is not worth 150 euros you know <laughs> we know that yeah. but a lot of people don't and that's how those people makes money yeah i mean if you if you, if you check instagram a lot you see a lot of certain type of people who have like they take bikes they take pictures with the bikes in a certain way and then they get followers and then they they make money off of it you know yeah that's just it. you want to you want to go into onto social media uh now actually because i feel like we're pretty into it yeah we can might as well so onto social media and what is social media's role in the spread of the culture and face your bike scene and the hobby so of course originally Let's say, let's say 1980s with the bike messenger 
uh, surge in New York City. There was no social media back then, at least digital social media. And back then, you just had to be in the scene to be in the scene. You had to know to know. You, you talk to certain people, you find out, you, by luck or by chance, you figure it out or you see a bike in the street, whatever. I don't know. That's how it worked. There was no other way. And nowadays, with the internet and social media, anyone, anywhere can see anything whenever they want. Yeah. And that's, that's, a, that's a good thing for the culture, you could say, because if you look at one of the, at least one of the bigger or the biggest fixed gear Instagram pages, MASHSF, if you look through the follower list, you see people from Germany, Spain, America, China, Japan, Vietnam, etc. It's everywhere, spreading everywhere. And it's a good thing. Um, yes. Social media is part of it's like part of it of it. It's a it's a blessing because it's easier for people to get into it, get interested, and you know to have that first hook. You know to say like, oh, I didn't know that, and get a little bit into it. Uh, and on the other side, you just need to remember that sometimes, not all the time, but in some cases, like social media is are not the reflect of reality. And I understand that some of people that look at social media just want to see nice content, you know? Like, I just wanted to see a nice bike and I'm happy with the picture I just liked. Yeah. But I feel like uh, on the other side, sometimes it influences people not always into the best way, you know? Yeah, so definitely like social media can have a certain effect on people and how what choices they make yeah and in this case i think with social media is like has as good things bad things and with everything it's always like use in moderation so like control i mean in the end it's everyone's own responsibility to to control how much media they consume or how much they're affected by it etc but in this specific case of fix your culture social media has been a very useful tool for the spread of it Yeah, and I was gonna say like yes. Besides that, besides like these big Instagram pages like MashSF, um, yeah, and other <laughs> and other Instagram pages. <laughs> yeah, of course, also like smaller pages for certain communities within like districts or cities or regions or countries. And yeah, these ones also hold like events, group rides, gatherings, and those are also part of the fixture culture, of course. Yeah, so it's not just the biggest ones. And group rides are fun. Uh, it depends with the people you ride as always, but they <laughs> are fun. Uh, and I feel like it's nice if you have a community and real people that you can talk to rather than, than social medias. It's always super cool and it feels like really nice to be able to talk to someone on the other side of the planet and say like, oh man, I love your bike. Like, can you explain me how you did that or, or anything, you know? Yeah. On the other side, having that local community is something that, at least for me, is really important. I think uh, in the past months, I've been really wanting to uh, leave the city and start uh, moving to the countryside. But on the other side, I'm really keen on having people around me that I can talk bike with and just live my passion uh together you know yeah because it's a completely different story for you you all like you ride a lot alone yeah 
And, and yeah, so I ride alone most of my time, but I mean, every once in a while I ride with a friend or, or yeah, with a friend and then we go a certain distance, but at the same time, yeah, I'm complete. I, I enjoy going by myself more to be honest. So yeah, it's, 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 it's like, it depends on the person then for, if what, what they require and what they want. Right. Yeah. Yeah, so besides like these these smaller communities found online for certain areas and cities and stuff, of course the Facey community I think is most impacted by these community community events or com- sorry not communities that turned into businesses such as Mash and Squid and bike cafes and clothing lines and and all of these different parts of Facey community that first started out as a community but then they turned into a business. And because they turn into business, they are able to affect the culture even more with what they do by supplying clothing, by supplying frames, by supplying uh, events. Because they know, because they grew out from the com- they grew up from the community, so they know what the community wants and and what they would pay for and then what they are missing. Yeah. And I think that's a that's a good balance to have as well. Because although they are business to make money, they're never that far away from the community that they're supplying. And you can really see the difference between like some other brands that got farther from the community, you know, uh, that yeah. started as a crew or whatever, and really ended up as an official brand that you don't see really connection anymore with people surrounding it. Yeah, then that's becoming like very impersonal, and then I think people will also notice then, of course, that they are kind of one step removed from. The community that they say they're a part of yeah yeah there um it's something that i learned last summer when i met the guys from fisgear berlin for the first time um i was like your crew is so cool and uh i i really i really respect what you do and that was after i met them because before i met them was really nothing too much about it and they're like yeah man like our only plan is to revive the fixed gear culture in Europe. And I was like, that's amazing. That's like the coolest thing I ever heard. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And on that note, uh, I heard a lot of people ask me like, what exactly is slow spin society? And rather than answering that, Oh, slow spin society is a podcast, but also a blog. And it might be a shop at some point. I don't know. It's more like of why are we doing this? And uh, I'm going to say it as like a really personal point of view, but my passion in life is to see bikes and to look at bikes and to ride bikes and to my life revolves around cycling, especially like in almost entirely fixed gear. Making Slow Spin Society happen is like a media to broad more people into the scene and into the culture. And if there is more people into the scene, there is more money for brands. And if there is more money for brands, there's more money for research and development. And if there are more research and development, there is more new things. And the more new things is more bike for me to look at. (laughs) <laughs> it's basically like a nice cycle that I want to create, you know? Yeah. And it's also like just before the peak, like we talked about before, like 2010, uh, 
for example, just before that, you can see brands like Specialized, they were making like fixed gear freestyle frame sets. You would never think they would make this today. No. Um, and so like getting more people into the hobby and making a bigger community, having an influence onto brands and having more people to create uh, events, bigger events, is just beneficial for everyone in it. Yeah. So, and that's what's going to happen with slow. That's what slow spin society is part of. That's what we're aiming at. Yeah. I like it. <laughs> I, I like what yeah, we do. Good. Yeah. It's good. We need more of this in Europe, right? Yeah. Um, onto another name that is probably familiar to most of you or many of you, at least pedal room. Ah, may the light of pedal room shine upon us. Yeah. So as many of you know, Pedal Room is a repository for it's like it's like bike Instagram basically. It's a repository of bikes posted by people. They show their collections off, they show what wheels, what stems, etc. They post nice pictures. But then there's also a forum, but I'm mainly thinking about the, the bikes. Yeah. Um for the longest time Pedal Room wasn't really maintained by the owner. Um yeah, so it was not maintained by the owner, it had lots of spam in the forums, it was down lots of the time, it was, so you couldn't access it etc and recently i think a month ago the owner kumar um he posted an update on on the website kind of like kind of like semi-apologizing for the lack of maintenance and not being there for the website and letting it be overrun with bots and stuff but yeah promised that he would take care of it with now and like kind of revive it so to say i mean never really died but it was not in good shape for a long time yeah what the fuck kumar we all thought you were dead man (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> busy cumin <laughs> okay uh but yeah so that's probably something to look forward to for for many of us yeah and pillar room is an nice amazing website and i'm glad it's back uh at some point i was even thinking about uh i downloaded the entire pillar room for <laughs> personal saving you know for like i don't know okay. like culture <laughs> preservation uh <laughs> But I'm glad it's back online. Yeah, at some point I was even thinking about, yeah, if it's just never going to update and I'm just going to pay someone to rebuild the database and rehost it under a different name somewhere. Uh, yeah. But yeah, I really hope he he somehow takes care about Pell Room. And yeah, or hands it over to someone who yeah. would take care of it. And I know like there's like a lot of people that want to take over Pellerum, really qualified people. Uh, Jehu, the um, moderator of the Fixed Gear Cycling Reddit. I think Amy yeah. Danger wanted to be part of that too. Uh, like people that know what they're doing, basically. Yeah, so I think I hope he would consider that because I, know, I saw, saw some people saying that they think he's just doing that so he can like make it look nice and then sell it or something rather than take care of it. But I mean, I don't know the guy, so... Yeah, I don't Let's know the see. guy either. I honestly thought uh, he was dead. <laughs> so besides Pedal Room, what what other like social media platforms and websites are there for people interested in fixed gear? Well, if you want to see buy content, you have of course Instagram. We talked about it before, but you have the fixed gear subreddit. You have forums, and you probably have a local one. I know there is one for France. There is one for Italy. Um, yeah. 
there's probably like there's, a ton of forum that I'm not aware of. Yeah, there's LFGSS for the UK. Yeah, exactly, which is pretty big. Yeah. Um, and then you have like more recently you have Discord servers. Uh, we have a Discord server. <laughs> oh shit! Yeah, we do. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Join it. We've got people talking in there with showing off their bikes, asking questions, and just having fun. Yeah, it's fun. Uh, and yeah, and like recently, we've seen way more videos on YouTube, way more fixed gear videos. I think Terry Barnson started something, uh, and it was it was so nice of him to like show his camera setup exactly like what he had was like. Amazon's link and everything so people can do exactly the same and now you see like way more videos like just plain like hotline like stuff or uh, edits of fixed gear freestyle everything is like there. I don't know there's just way more than before yeah so everyone's out there doing something which is nice yeah and yeah, like you said. And besides that, these are all, of course, online. Besides that, there's still quite a lot of physical fixed gear things going on. I mean, maybe not the last year or last two years or, or however, however long it's been, but there are fixed gear crits like Red Hook Crit and um, yeah, Red Hook Crit is, like, is in Milan. Was it Milan? Barcelona and in New York, Brooklyn, right? yeah. Well, yeah. it's dead now, but... Oh, yeah. So that was... It, was, it used to be a thing. There's Rad Race, and there's just a bunch of other crits, also like local ones, I'm sure. Yeah. There's track across events. There's the World World um, Messenger event, right? Championship. Cycling Messenger World Championship, yeah. Yes, that's the one. <laughs> um, I'm sure there's like some fixed gear freestyle competitions and other. Uh, yeah, there's yeah, there's just a lot of stuff. Yeah. In 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 physical the, in real life as well. It's the thing that track bikes got out onto out of velodromes onto the streets and from the streets for to pretty much everywhere that i don't know if people in the 90s were really thinking about getting a track bike with 25c tires into forests and just mash around uh i still wouldn't do that <laughs> 25 but yeah it's, it's it would be completely unheard of and but i think like in the beginning earlier in the podcast you were also saying like like it's kind of a weird uh, concept for you that people would have a fixed gear bike but not really care about it right yeah and i'm I'm sure there's also like i'm not sure but i, I assume there's like some track pro track cyclists who don't really care about fixed gear as like fixed gear culture oh it's yeah just like a night like, like a sport for them in the in the velodrome but yeah i mean um, i remember once we we went to a velodrome uh, we were there to buy a bunch and I just bought one for myself, but old Shimano Olympic chain rings, you know? So one of us had like a candle track at the time. And so we arrive into the velodrome and the guy is like handing us the chain rings and we're handing him the money. And yeah, just took mine and I was like, I was happy with what I had, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I was... It was for me. It was not about reselling or anything. I just, I just wanted mine. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, as an anecdote, I paid forty euros for that. <laughs> uh, and 
the guy with me was like, oh yeah, I recently got a candle track. And it was the president of the velodrome, you know, the guy that is seeing track bikes every day. And he was yeah. like, a what? A candle track. It's like legendary status frame. It's like, oh, I don't know. We only have Legend looks legendary. here. <laughs> legendary frame. Remember like when 90s against Klein, where they had the whole thing, it's really sold out. Arctic blue, you don't know that? <laughs> <laughs> and the guy oh, was yeah, like, like, no, I don't know. I think it's also kind of like this type of thing is also kind of like a, it shows like a separation or being in your own bubble. You know, yeah. like everyone in the fixie community, like, no, kind of track or like the Cervelo T1 or like BMC or whatever, you know? And then the people in the actual velodrome, they don't know any of this shit. They're just like, oh yeah, this is, yeah, I go fast. <laughs> <laughs> Look at me. I am strong. <laughs> what the fuck's a bike messenger? I don't know. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, so it shows like a disconnect. Uh, but I mean, could we, on that topic, could we consider or can, could people consider track cyclists in the velodrome as part of the fixture culture? Or, mm. I mean, they ride track bikes. I feel but, like neither of them is a subculture of the other. It's more like two parallel things that yeah, sometimes cross, you know? Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Hmm, yeah. Um, continuing on the subject of yeah, of uh, local things you can do, there's of course like local communities, and I think we've seen like more and more crews uh, forming recently. So I was talking about it before, but like Fix Gear Berlin and the Fode Gang that are both making like YouTube videos and everything. There is like the Ephemeral Gang in Colombia. The quite new uh, Tracklos Scotia in Scotland. There's also yeah, a ghetto uh, that makes a... Uh, I think it's like part Russian, part New York. Uh, the Forever Two-Wheel Crew that is in Australia. Slow Squad that is in Australia, in Japan, and pretty much everywhere now. There is Watt that is a French team of mainly woman girls riders that prone cycling through mixity which i think is extremely cool um mm. and there is like a breakless sighting they're quite new on instagram we talked about we talked about them with chris number last time they do like the super cool drone videos that is also something quite new and there's like yeah. so many other crews i can't mention all of them but you get the no. idea right yeah yeah, so of course each city will have, or not, not each, maybe not each city, but many cities will have their own like kind of fixed community, like Amsterdam fixed gear, The Hague fixed gear, and on that topic of crits and smaller communities, there's gonna be a like a fixed gear event soon in the Netherlands. It's between, it's like a kind of like an event between two cities, Amsterdam and Rotterdam, and it's a race of twenty four hours to collect all the stamps. And and it's only yeah, fixed gear. Cool. Yeah. Hell yeah! I mean, there's gonna be fi this fixed gear, and then there's also a road one. So there's there's like two different, uh, how do you say, two different uh, events. <laughs> That's pretty cool. That's cool. Yeah, and then special mentions to the original like fixed gear gang, right? Macaframa. Yeah, Macaframa, or like, yeah, really old fixed gear crew that paved the way, kinda. In, What's the one in, in Tokyo that you mentioned last episode, I think? Uh, Far like, East Smoking Skitters. 
Yeah, that's. <laughs> I think it's also like that kind of cruise that show that you don't really need to be a messenger to be part of it. You know, uh, yeah. you can just be a guy like be a guy that casually rides around, and you can be part of a a crew or a gang or a cycling club, whatever you you call it. Next time you talk to the president of the velodrome, ask him if he knows Far East. <laughs> <laughs> do you know Michael uh, Frama? <laughs> <laughs> Bro, do you even skid, man? <laughs> uh, but yeah, so there's a bunch out there, thankfully. Yeah. Um, of course, then there's also the crews that are kind of like a blurred, a blurred um, crews that blur the line between a club, like a crew and a brand. So Mash SF, uh, Squid Bikes, they first started as a community that turned into a, a brand as well. There's Hunter Pro Cycling in Australia, I believe. Or, or are they? Uh, I uh, Maybe. Maybe. Um, but yeah, there's also Gotten Famous, also in New York. Yeah. And yeah, it's, sometimes it's like... I think it it is a blurred line because they started as crews and they're now selling merch, but they're still extremely close to their community. Uh, even for a shop that is quite big, like mash, I feel that they still have that kind of real vibe, you know? Yeah. Uh, sometimes you see like new bike brands and they have a really lush image, you know, like, every Instagram post has been like calculated and everything. And it's not like that everywhere. And I feel like sometimes more like an organic way to post on social media and grow and just show around where you're making and what you're doing and you want to ride with people. It's just like, yeah, it's more OG and I like it. Mm. Yeah. Hunter Pro Cycling is from Melbourne, Australia. Ooh, nice. And they do crits too, I think. Yeah, yeah. And they have really, um, how do you say, expressive jerseys and bibs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, yeah, so wait, it was 100 Bro Cycling. What was the other one in, in Australia? Uh, Four Volt to Wheel Crew. Yeah. And then there's, yeah, those two. Yeah. And I think there's another one. Fester. Um, in- it's a it's purely a brand wait i think that's the kind of thing where a crew created a brand but they kind of wanted to separate the two yeah so i don't know about that brand in particular and you know what i kind of i kind of want to have them on the show because it's this, yeah starting a fixier brand now especially like something as complicated as a frame uh Kind of challenging, I feel. Yeah, it'd be exci- interesting to see. Yeah. What? How they're doing? Yeah. Yeah, could be a thing. Let us know. Tell us in the. Tell us, no. tell us in the comments down below. Spam, spam, fresh their Instagram. Come on the show. Come on the show. Don't do that. <laughs> Don't do that, please. <laughs> Literally, they receive like three messages. Uh, please, are those people mentioning you? <laughs> <laughs> they want to fight. <laughs> <laughs> Oh yeah, so, so I I think in the big picture, you could one could say that the fixture culture is pretty alive today. Yeah, and that's lots cool. of stuff in the works. Yeah, lots of things being developed all across the world. Lots of new content being produced, whether it's our podcast, 
master yourself videos or Instagram uh, clips, whatever, just new stuff being produced every every day, every week, every month. And yeah, I think the trend is just going to keep going up. Yeah, I can't, I couldn't be more happy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for you, it's more bikes for you. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, yeah. And yeah. We, we, we love that culture and I'm, I'm happy to be part of it. And there's so many nice people into it. So yeah, come on in, uh, tell your friends to join the podcast and we can spread more, you know, <laughs> conquer the world. <laughs> exactly. One gear at a time. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, well, that's pretty much it for today. Uh, everything we discussed today will be in the show notes on the blog, slotspinsociety.com. Uh, you'll also find the suggestion box where you can tell us what we should talk about on the show. It's important that you guys give us feedbacks and maybe new ideas. And it's just nice for us to know what you guys think. We have, uh, we talk with the people on the Discord and they tell us what they think, but maybe for from someone else's point of view, it's it's also nice. Talking about Discord server, you can find the invite link. Uh, it's also in the show notes. And you can also find us on our Instagram, because now we have Instagram, at Slow Spin Society. Sharing the podcast with your friend is the easiest way to support the show or by giving us a good review on the platform of your choice. If you get value out of the show, why not consider putting value back in by visiting our Patreon page, patreon.com slash Podcast. And join our community where pledging at Inlevel will grant you access to the pre and after show, which is around 40 minutes of extra content per week. We are now at 17 Patreons, bringing us closer to our monthly goal and more privileges for every tier. Thank you so much for all your support. Thank you. The music for the show is Loveless Windler by Amaria, and the illustration is by at Julia Joe on Instagram. Thank you so much, everyone. <laughs> Thanks for listening, guys. Yeah. Enjoy. And we'll see you next Monday. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.